name is Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Giannis Patelis, I'm super psyched that you just agreed to come on. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while about, um, well, want to talk to you for a while anyway, but I wanted to talk to you specifically today. We're going to be talking about you and your uh, your hound, Mingus. Yeah, uh, it's always weird that I get requests to uh, talk about me, uh, about hound hunting and my hound, because uh, I'm like I'm like the least experienced hound hunter uh, out there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about it. I appreciate that, but th- I mean that's honestly is part of what I think makes it interesting, though, right? Is that you know you're unless I'm mistaken, you don't have any family history of of hound hunting, do you? Like your dad or uncles, grandparents, nothing like that. No, no hound hunting and no. Um, there's no no dog hunting or dog breeding in general. Mm. Okay. Is there any kind of uh, your whole family? You just had this great uh, series come out on Meat Eater. Your whole family is is Latvian originally. Is there any sort of tradition for that in Latvia apart from maybe the driven hunts? You know, uh, I don't think they ever use hounds over there. At least I didn't see any and I didn't hear about any. They do have a... They might call it a hound. They have some kind of a moose uh, dog that bays moose. Hmm. And um, I would definitely like to go and try that because it sounded interesting where the dog basically bays the moose up and then you get to sneak in and try to get a shot at the moose while the moose is bayed. The interesting thing is, is that the moose doesn't always just sit there and let you walk in. You actually have to sneak in there and get the wind right. And, yeah. uh you know, make it so that the moose doesn't know you're coming. Yeah. Um, because uh, otherwise they'll run, and you know, moose can go. Uh, they're they're marathon athletes, right? Forever. They can just keep going and going and going. So for, for sure, there was that, and then uh, other than that, I think it was just the dogs that were used for the for the driven hunt. Okay. And obviously, blood trailing. They had blood trailing dogs. Okay, gotcha. Is it? Because I'm based out of Norway and we do the same kind of moose hunting um, that you're talking about. We do it with dogs and they bay up and we walk in and stuff like that. Is it a requirement there for the clubs to have like a, a stable of um, blood trailing dogs like it is here? I, I didn't hear about any requirement like that. It seemed like at the club that I was at out of the 45-ish members, uh, quite a few of them had, had dogs and had dogs that would uh would trail um i don't know if it was a requirement or not okay so you don't have a family history of it you don't have a cultural history for it why how did this happen like how did you what made it so that you got into you got a hound at this stage in your life and career that you're in um i was looking for uh, a dog uh a, and it, i was the whole family was looking for a dog um the, uh, my kids at the time were, I'm guessing, you know, six and eight ish mm. or seven and nine, something like that. I'm trying to think how long we've had Mingus a couple of years, I guess. 
And uh, so we had decided it was time for a dog. And I I had been uh, researching dogs for a year. Um, I was I was pretty stuck on having a small dog. Like I had fished with a small Jack Russell. I had done some research on those, and mm-hmm. uh, they're smart dogs. They they can do a lot of different things. Um, there's some Jack Russell that's on Instagram that uh, retrieves waterfowl. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. So I wanted a small dog just because it, it you know, small dogs uh, take up less room, don't eat a lot, less poop, uh, easy to travel with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, se- seems <laughs> like they have uh, good, good uh, personalities. So anyways, I was researching all kinds of dogs. I had a buddy of mine that was breeding uh, wire hairs at, at the time mm-hmm. and uh, offered me a puppy of his. So I was checking those out. Um, I was all over the place. Well, eventually my kids got sick of me uh, researching dogs and just were like, look, bro, as long as it's got fur and at least three legs, <laughs> like we're in, you know, but we don't. And so... We started looking at shelters too, because my wife was like, "Really, we're gonna pay money for a dog when there's all these dogs at shelters?" Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, my argument was like, "Yeah, if I'm gonna have a dog for ten to fifteen years, and we're gonna pay for its food and board it, like I want a dog that I'm into as well, that I can train, that I can do things with, and it'll just allow me to be a little more into the dog." Sure. And uh, anyways, I get a phone call one day, and my wife is uh, on the. She says we're on our way to the uh, Stafford Shelter over in Livingston, Montana, and there's three blue tick coonhound puppies. And if you want any part of making a decision about these puppies, <laughs> then you should meet us down there. Get your butt over here. And sure. uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, you know what happens when you take kids to the pound when there's puppies, right? And uh, like. like there's no way we're going to leave without having a puppy. So uh, we get down there and, uh, yeah, I think even maybe on the way as I was driving, I called my buddy, uh, Jake, who now has been definitely my, my, you know, biggest, uh, help, my, my main mentor when it comes to hound hunting, mm. um, and called him and told him about these dogs. And he said, yeah, probably if it's a hound, you know, it'll hunt. Um, I'll help you with it. And so we got down there. Anyways, obviously the girls were like, yeah, we love them. We love them. And hmm. so we, we picked out sort of the runt and the chillest uh, dog out of the three. The other two were quite rambunctious. And it might have been just because uh, they, were, they, were, you know, they were shelter dogs. So they were found in a warehouse of sorts, just uh, discarded. Wow. And uh, Mingus was pretty, pretty skinny, you know, showing ribs and showing, uh, you know, all, you could really, you could make out his his whole hip, you know, sure. uh, bone sort of configuration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was chill. And so we grabbed him and, uh, that's how I became the owner of a, uh, blue tick coonhound. And then wow. shortly after when it was time, we, uh, we started training him. Gotcha. Wow. That's, that's such a, there's so many coincidences that went into it, but what what made you decide once you had a blue tick coonhound puppy right there? What made you decide to just run with it and start doing some training and stuff with him? Oh, I'm a big believer in 
and the dogs need to be exercised well if you want them to be good dogs at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to do what they what they're meant to do. So run or hunt or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you run into so many misbehaved dogs that are just not fun to be around, and it's a lot of times I feel it's just because they're not getting enough exercise. And um, so, yeah, I just figured. You know, it, it kind of, you know, the, the stars aligned and I had a, had a, had a hound mm-hmm. and I had a good friend who's a, a, an, a great hound hunter and was willing to, to teach me. And, uh, so why not, you know, go do something new. Uh, you know, I, I like trying new things and getting out of my comfort zone and, uh, this seemed a perfect way to do it. Wow. That's cool. I like that. What, uh, your buddy, what does he hunt? Is he bear, lion, something like that? Mostly lions and bobcats. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me is all of these hound hunters that I n- now know that they sort of start on lions and they they move towards the bobcats because the bobcats are harder to catch. Um, you know, there's value to the hide. Uh, you can kill multiple in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, where really with the lions, it's like after you've killed one. Uh, Right. There's a lot of people that don't want to kill. Not that they don't want to kill, but they don't see the need to go and kill another one. If you've got one mountain lion mounted in the house or one rug, why do you need another one? Right. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, with the bobcat, with the bobcats, you know, like I said, they, you know, there's there's value in the hide and the fur, uh, and they're just they're trickier to catch. Like Mingus and I have yet to catch one on our own. We've been in on a couple catches with uh, other dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and running in a pack, but never on our own. So okay. Um, but uh, to answer your question about how how we started, it was uh, we started on coons, mm-hmm. and um, I did some. I actually we actually took him down to our Arkansas, and we hunted with our uh, colleague and friend Clay Newcomb, mm-hmm. and uh, he treated his first, I think, three or four. His th- first three or four real trees were down there in Arkansas um, on coons. Cool. I can't remember. Well, we did some of it in Montana, too. Um, and it's funny because those dogs, they that as much as trailing is just sort of built into them, trailing up a tree doesn't seem like it's always built into them. And I've seen multiple young puppies now take tracks right to the base of a tree but then they get yeah. to the tree, and once they've circled the tree, they start to take the in track back out the other direction right. because they there's no other track on the ground, right? Right. And it takes them a little bit to to put two and two together that oh no, when one track ends at the tree, there's a cat up in it. Right. Right. And you actually had an experience with Mingus and a cat where you know, I believe it was a cat where you actually kind of lifted his head and pointed it towards, is that, is that right? That's true. It was, uh, well, it ended up being his first mountain lion that he saw. Mm. I think it was the, definitely the second or the third tree that he had been, I guess maybe it was just the second tree he had been under. Um, but yeah, we had spent an hour a week earlier underneath a mountain lion and he could not, he couldn't figure it out. And the tree was, was fairly thick. The branches were thick. And mm. so the line was hard to see. And, uh, but he had a puppy with him there as well. That was in the same predicament. Um, just did not want to look up, did not, you know, couldn't figure it out. And so a week later 
we uh yeah we uh, we're we're basically found ourselves in the same situation mm. except this time the cat's more in the open and after 10 or 15 minutes i'm like really can it be that you cannot <laughs> see this thing like right there in front of you and uh you know i'd put his nose on the tree and and he just like he he wasn't gonna bark tree and he wasn't gonna put his paws on the tree. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't clicking. And then finally, I just took his head, yeah, and kind of pointed it up. And I literally felt his head shake as it sort of locked in on on that cat. And then uh, he let out a big location ball to let I let me it. know that he had found it. <laughs> I love it. What I love about that story, the mo- the best part about that story is that that never ever works. Like it's it's so rare. Right. That that's what my, that's what my buddy. G- it's too funny. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, that's what my buddy Jake said when he saw me doing it. He's like, "Dude, I've tried it a hundred times. It doesn't work." <laughs> but what's interesting about Mingus is he's pretty. He's like visually oriented with um like when he hears something, he's constantly looking. And interestingly with that dog, I don't know what it means or why. Maybe there's others, but he loves to track. And sometimes it used to be worse. We've kind of broken him of it, but he loves to track and then sometimes bark and even chase a little bit airplanes. Like we just happen to live under one of the flight paths going into the airport here. And that dog can hear an airplane long before you can hear it. And he'll sit there and watch the skies. And when he sees that thing cutting across, he'll run up the hill and bark at it. Wow. 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 That's really, uh, wow. That's unusual. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know what it, like I said, I don't know what it means. Neither do I. (laughs) So how, I guess one of the other, what is your sort of everyday game at this point? Like if you're going to go out with Mingus on a normal, on a normal day, is that going to be uh, lion or bobcat at this point? Or are you still doing a little bit of coon hunting like as a kind of daily bread sort of deal? You know, I'm not. Lion season, bobcat season is roughly December 1st to the middle of April around here. Mm. And... Um, that's a good bit of time to, I feel like to spend doing it, whatever, what is it? Five months, sure, almost six months. Um, and so, you know, if I had nothing else going on in life and no kids <laughs> and family, et cetera, uh, yeah, we, cause we actually have a decent coon population here in Montana. Really? And, uh, I know there's people that go, go out and do it. Um, but, uh, no, we don't. Um, I always talk about getting it done. And then the next thing I know, fall rolls around and it's time to go big game hunting. And so really he just, in the summertime, we run together a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, run and hike. And then the fall is probably the worst, uh, time of year for Mingus because I'm gone and he's, he doesn't get to go right. He's at home. And, uh, you know, like I said, December 1st, we get back after it. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. That's, it's cool. I, it's, you know, I, I got into the hounds myself at a little bit of a later, later stage in my life. I was a long distance dog musher for 25 years. Um, so it was a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a challenge, but I was going from one working dog to a different type of working dog. There were a lot of similarities. Like you, you jumped into this with both feet, having not a ton of experience with 
any other type of working dog or really any other type of dog. Is that right? hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that must've had its challenges kind of learning every aspect of what you're, you know, what you're doing. Um, basically from, basically from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, you know, being that I'm so new to it and ignorant, I guess, um, I wouldn't have recognized the challenges, it, you know, anything that's happened to, to me and Mingus in the last two years, it just seems normal because I wouldn't know, no different. Right. Sure. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess the positive part of going into it at a little bit of a, you know, without that much experience as you, if nothing else, you haven't built up bad habits. So that's really, uh, th that's really cool. Do you, you know, here in, here in Norway, we've got this, uh, this sort of tradition for hunting with single hounds. They don't do a lot of pack work here. Um, do you end up, do you end up hunting quite a bit with Mingus, just you and him, or do you try to get him out with a pack still? Like what, uh, how do you, how do you sort of get those things done? Um, I, I like doing both. Um, certainly it seems like if you're with the right pack, your chances go up to catch the quarry. Uh, if you're in the, if you got the wrong pack, then it possibly could go down. A big reason that this past year I did try to hunt solo a fair amount is because I wanted just to be sure that you know Mingus was doing it on his own. I could just really focus on him, watch him, and, and know you know if he had a loss or. You know, in that case, it's easier to find the loss if you don't have five other dogs making, you know, tracks everywhere in the snow. Sure. Um, and then if when he caught when he caught a lion, I knew a hundred percent that it was, you know, that he he did it and he figured it out, right? Right. Um so that that's a big reason to do it on, on your own, because I think it just forces that dog to work and, and do the work themselves. There's no uh you know, just catching, catching up to the lead dog that's, you know, barking on, on the trail ahead of you. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, that kind of stuff, it's, it's fun to do solo. It's a, just a different adventure mm. and it's also fun to share it with, with friends, um, and, and all that. So I would say probably this past year, it was probably 50, 50, and now that I know that Mingus does get the work done himself and he can execute it, mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's cer we've certainly had plenty of days where he, we've started tracks and, and not ended up with a cat in a tree. Mm. But uh, at, le at least for the most part, I can trust him. And I know that he's not going to take off on a deer track. He still struggles a little bit, I think, with the with the coyotes and definitely with the foxes. Mm -hmm. So that's something that'll be top of mind top of mind this year is to to train him off of that. Okay, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like like I said, both both are good. Both have their pros and cons. Sure, sure. Oh, that makes sense. Any, what are your plans for, uh, for the future with Mingus? Are you going to go to Tennessee or North Carolina and run black bear or are you going to stick with the cats? Well, we can run black bears here in Montana now with dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, that's right. You, you guys I'm just got your that, season back. That's right. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Right. 
Uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I'm not that interested mm-hmm. in running the uh, running the bears with the dog. Um, I still like just spot and stalk hunting mm-hmm. the bears. Um, I mean, I I would love to take him on a on a coon tour and go go down to Arkansas again and hook up with Clay and and go into that real you know, sort of, uh, traditional coon country in Mm. the United States where it's a thing, everybody does it. And just, you know, one, go do it with my dog, but also just experience the, uh, the, the culture and the traditions, uh, surrounding, uh, coon hunting. That would be really, really cool. That would be cool if you did that. Yeah. A whole, I hope you film it like Giannis and Mingus's excellent adventure. That sounds really neat. Yeah, that, that could that could be good. That sounds really cool. There, there there's people uh, there's people from here that drive north uh, a long ways to go and catch uh, lynx with their dogs mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, you know, at this point, like I said, we, we still haven't caught a bobcat on our own, so we have a lot of work to do right here in our own backyard mm-hmm. before I'm going to go and drive. 15 or 20 hours to go catch what's yeah. pretty much the same thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I understand that. You know, we don't have, we don't have bobcats here at all. Um, we've only got the, uh, Eurasian lynx. Um, so that's the only thing we, the only cat we're able to hunt over here is the lynx and that's a quota hunt. So the season lasts, we get a certain number of, uh, links that we can take in a certain number, you know, a certain amount of time or in a, in a season. And as soon as that number is filled, the season's over. So there have been times when the season's lasted for two days before all the quota is filled. So um, it's a little hard to. Jeez. Yeah, that's been a bummer. It can be a little bit hard to base Art. yourself off of links as the only thing you're going to hunt because your season may be real short. Are you allowed to uh, just chase the links and tree them and, and after the quota's met, or is there no training season? There's not really a training season. You can do some tracking, but uh, you really run mm-hmm. a risk of being uh, accused of wildlife wildlife harassment if you run them with no intention, where it's not part of any kind of a management, um, uh, you know, in a, in a, any kind of a management sense. Um, they will definitely. There are guys who work with the government to. Um, trap and collar links and they will occasionally use hounds for that but they tend to use uh sort of a, a larger version of a have a heart trap to catch them and collar mm. them so um i had uh, kevin murphy was out here in october and uh spent two weeks here with me hunting um and we saw it was actually the first time i've ever seen once uh here uh, without a dog, was driving and just saw the lynx uh, run right across the road. Um, and that's, you know, it's a little bit like people talk about with the lions, where they can live in a lion area, hunt lions all their lives, but have never, ever seen one from the car, you know, type of a deal. So they're really, uh, sure. they're, they're, there's not a ton of them, but they do an enormous amount of damage to, we have those little roe deers, those European roe deer. Sure. And, uh, uh, Kevin and I hunted those last last fall, and now the area that we hunted is there's there's none left. 
there were a bunch of them when he was here. And this winter, we had an unusually Jeez. long winter and an unusual amount of links. Usually we'll have one or two. And this year there was five within a 10 mile um, radius of my house uh, and my terrain, my hunting terrain. Wow. Yeah, it was a bummer. That was a bummer. But um, I'm hoping to get out. I've got uh, I've got a plot that I need to get trained up here and um, hoping to get him on maybe some links. If nothing else, get him in on a uh, on a kill, just trail in the last little bit, get him to kind of experience the whole thing. But um, we'll, sure. we'll see if that we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that happens. So but yeah. So what um, are you considering? Are you going to keep it with just Mingus at this point? Are you considering building a any kind of a pack or anything like that? Or is it at this point, nice house dog, versatile canine companion, hunting companion, et cetera, et cetera? I would like to bump it to two mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I don't know. Even though it's not statistically proven, it seems like there's a little bit of safety in numbers, right? Um, if you get... You know, if you get a cat that's bayed instead of treed, uh, that maybe the two dogs will be just a, a little bit more intimidating and not have not you know have not cause an attack from the cat. Sure. Um, same. Th- you know, we have wolves. I mean, usually if I know there's wolves in the area, we just won't won't cut the dog loose at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I would like to, for him to have a companion and to run two of them. But uh, right now, my wife is definitely would just like to keep it at one. And so, sure, uh, happy wife, happy happy life. <laughs> so we're, for 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 the time for the time being, it'll just be Mingus and myself. Gotcha, that makes sense. Do you have what is it? Uh, what kind of issues do you have with wolves out there? I've talked to a bunch of guys from like the UP of Michigan that have lost, you know, half of their packs or even their entire packs to wolves in the course of a couple of days, you know, are, is that, do you, are you bumping into a lot of wolves when you're out with Mingus? Is that something you guys have experienced? Um, we have not yet. Um, at times we cut tracks. Uh, a lot of times it's just a single mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't worry nearly as much if I just c- cut a single track. Um, but, uh, definitely last winter, I probably cut the tracks of a whole pack. I don't know, two, two times, two or three times, and I just vacate the area. Like, I, I, there's no reason to, you know, to play with fire. So it's always in the back of my mind. I think it's a, just a risk that you have to be willing to take because it. I, I haven't heard too many stories of hounds uh, running into a pack of wolves and making it out. Right? No. They, they, they those wolves seem to seemed to beat them up pretty good pretty fast yeah so. yeah they they do it's a problem that we have here as well um norway has not a lot of wolves but enough to enough to be causing a little bit of an issue right now because norway also has a um a tradition for um uh, mountain grazing so during the summertime a lot of the animals will yeah. be let loose in the summer sheep and sheep and cows mo- uh, almost exclusively occasionally some goats but um, the wolves and the bears do can can do quite a number on the 
on the sheep populations up there. And it also kind of brings them a little bit closer to people and, and gets them a little bit more acclimated than they want to. So we've actually had a couple of instances where we've had wolves that specifically as the season has progressed and the sheep are taken down from the mountains have specifically targeted hunting dogs. So they'll listen for them when they hear them, they'll go in and actually dispatch and eat them. Um, wow. So they, uh, there was a pair a breeding pair that did that too. I guess that was about two years ago. And that, that created a lot of problems. I think they killed 15 before they were finally, you know, themselves removed. Wow. Yeah. So, but it's, um, <clears throat> Mingus is a pretty big dog though, isn't he? He's, uh, he, he got pretty long, long and lanky. Yeah. He's 80 pounds. Yeah. Um, it's probably the reason I don't think he's a true blue tick coonhound because, they seem to be a good bit shorter than he is. Um, I, I, they can definitely all they can weigh up to you know 80, 90 pounds, but he comes in at eighty. But yeah, he has the height of a. I don't know what to compare him to, but yeah, just very long legs. Mm. Um, but l- luckily, when when he curls up, he he kind of he gets pretty compact. So. Gotcha. That's really interesting. Yeah. No, this is. Um... It's, it was exciting. There were sort of these ripples of excitement uh, throughout the, uh, the, the, the hound community when, when you got Mingus because we don't, um, you know, I've, I've heard Clay Newcomb say it a couple of times and, it, you know, it's the truth. We're kind of the hound, hound hunters. We're the low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit. Mm. Um, you know, when right. the antis kind of come after us a little bit, it's, <clears throat> it's real easy to come after the hound hunters and the dog hunters. Um, so it was, you know, we were, it was exciting when, when you got Mingus, there was sort of this sense of like, all right, this might, you know, maybe it's becoming a little bit more main mainstream in some way, which has been pretty, sure. um, which has been pretty exciting. Yeah. It, it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to promote this because like any hunting, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't want, you don't want more competition, right? And and finding finding lion tracks is what it takes to catch lions. And uh, you know, the 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 more people get into it, let's just say here in Montana, you know, that's more people at trailheads and more people checking different canyons and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's it's a real catch twenty two. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always going to be the case, though, isn't it? You know, you want to. You want to make sure that the lifestyle lasts, the hunting lifestyle, whatever. So you want to do that sort of recruitment stuff. But at the same time, it's like, well, then there's going to be more, you know, more competition for, uh, you know, more competition. How, as you guys, I'm a little bit interested in the hunting, the actual like nuts and bolts of the, of the hunting. Um, are you able to use trail cameras there? Because that was something recently that um, was... Yeah, we can. Quite a bit of, okay. Is that something that you utilize as you're hunting, um, as you're hunting for the, uh, for the cats or is it mostly, um, you know, tracks driving? Yeah. Just finding tracks. Uh, I decided this, this past season, the end of season that I was going to start carrying a camera or two because, uh, you know, when you find a fresh kill, you find a fresh, 
elk that's been recently killed and buried, uh, it's great to throw up a camera just to see what kind of activity you get, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for that, but uh, no, I mean I, I I and and then I don't know if it would be legal necessary necessarily if you were planning hunts based on recent trail camera footage, especially if there were cell cams in Montana. I'd have to look into that. Our our trail camera laws seem to change annually in this state. Sure. Um, but uh, right now I do not utilize them. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. We <clears throat> we try to utilize both and we're actually able to use the cell cam um, the cell cam pictures uh, the same day. But the um, wow, when we collar a cat, we don't get access to the information of where that cat has been until a full 30 days has passed. Which is interesting. Even though it's us doing the cow collaring, that's 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 a rule for us is that we can't then call and be like, you know, have access to public information, which, you know, I don't know anybody that would want to do that. You know, track track down a collared cat. and <laughs> Yeah, unless you were recapturing it for for research, I could see that. But if you're out there for the sport of it, it seems like you'd be taking a lot of sport out. I'm- Totally agree. By just going and and, cha- and and tracking down cats that have collars on them. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that, um, thinking about other game, there's a lot of guys, you were talking a little bit about the foxes and the coyotes. There's a lot of guys out there that run like coyotes with their dogs or run, you know, most of what I do over here is running foxes because there's a bunch of them and the season is long. Um, is it, is the... Why would you consider running those as well? Or is it more of a you're you want and focused on a few things like the specifically the cat so you don't end up throwing away a good day of mountain lion hunting on something like a coyote? I've talked to one guy, I think, that ran I think there were greyhounds that he ran for coyotes. And <laughs> um and so it was purely just for predator control for getting rid of the coyotes. And so you know, I guess I don't know if Mingus could catch a coyote or a fox. I mean, I guess he could eventually make a fox tree, uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like that's I don't know. It, I don't know anybody around here that does it. Most people just focus on the uh, on the cat. Sure, I mean their cats are a little bit more charismatic in a lot of ways. I think it's a little bit more. I understand that. You know. If, if I could run lynx as much sure. as I could run fox, I would definitely be running the lynx more than the uh, more than the fox. So, well, cool. Well, I know you are insanely busy, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me for uh, for a bit here, Giannis. It was a lot of fun to a uh, lot of fun to talk to you. I'm really excited about the uh, yeah, kind of following your adventures with Mingus. I hope you keep. Uh, updating us with videos and things like that because it's been uh it's it's cool to see some you know it's cool to see a mainstream personality um with a hound <laughs> you know it, it just is yeah well you you might be giving me too much credit to be calling me uh mainstream because i think there's uh 
I think well. <laughs> only people with our within our little sphere uh, uh, might know who Mangus and, and myself are. But uh, thank you, anyways. Well, people people here know who who you are. People knew who uh, you know when you talk about meat eater. People know you know even way over here the population speaks so much English that you know it doesn't take. Uh, a lot of people know who you guys are, so it's um, yeah, it's it's cool, cool, cool for us, cool for us weirdos up in the up in the uh, up in the forest to see a hound on TV. It's it's fun. <laughs> so, is there anything? No, uh, okay. Well, I well, anything you'd like to add? Anything you want to talk about? I'd love to. Uh, yeah, if there's anything you got on the tip of your tongue. Oh, I I don't think so. Just uh, you know, looking forward to another another season coming up here in December. It's, it won't be long now. You know, summer's. I know it seems like summer just started, but uh, I've got my first hunt coming up here in about oh, I guess it's right at about a month. Oh, and uh, wow. so yeah, it's uh, time time flies, and as soon as fall starts, and it's busy, 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 and then I'll I'll get to take a breath in December, but you know, we'll start, we'll start hunting cats again. Gotcha. Cool. How many, just like, I'm just curious, how many hunts do you, are you on annually, like individual where you're, you're targeting specific animals, um, or specific, you know, what, well, I film six hunts every year for my own show. And then I'll usually help out, be a guest on, whether it's a meat eater episode or another show that's a part part you know within the meat eater umbrella mm-hmm. um, do another one or two of those so I don't know it can easily stretch out to to 10 different hunts a year and then obviously I try to make room and do some hunting with my family every year Um my oldest daughter's uh, taking some interest into turkey hunting and deer hunting, and so she's oh, going to cool. join our our tradition traditional Wisconsin deer camp again this fall. Except this time she'll be last year she didn't pack a rifle. This year she'll be carrying her own rifle and trying to kill a kill a buck or a doe herself. Man, so, that is so exciting. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I try to I try to I try to keep enough. Uh, time available that uh i get to do that stuff with the family because uh you know won't be lo- won't be long they'll be gone oh it's true yeah no it's true i've got one that just turned 11 and one that's turning nine here next week and it's uh i feel like that whole thing happened you know yesterday and 10 years have gone by it's sort of unbelievable but anyway on that note i'm gonna let you go Giannis. i really appreciate you coming on and um yeah yeah I'll, thanks thanks for having me oh any any time i don't imagine you have a whole lot of uh d- d- disposable time but uh yeah anytime you feel like talking hounds you know who to talk to sure well if you see something exciting happen on instagram uh hit me up and i can come tell you the the full the full detailed story about it that would be great would love it would love it all right Thank you, Anas. Man, I love that sound.